As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. Welcome to another episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. Welcome back, y'all. By the way, we legally changed our name from Food Heaven Made Easy to Food Heaven. Yeah. FYI, so much easier to (laughs) just in thinking about logos and thinking about (laughs) logistical things. It's it's easier when it's shorter. So we, we cut off half of the name. Well, actually, originally our name was Healthy Kitchen Chronicles Food Heaven Made Easy. With <laughs> yeah. That's a mouthful. <laughs> but now we're just Food Heaven and LLC. Yeah. I don't know what we were thinking with that long name. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2012. You know what's funny? I was looking at some of our old videos because I was kind of doing a, a sweep of the website and just like, I don't know, making sure that things were a little more uniform in the recipe section. And so I was looking at some of our old videos and wow, some of these outfits, I was just like, what? <laughs> what were we yeah. thinking? What was I thinking with that really pink lipstick? Like, girl, oh my God. No, but I th- I think it's because Wendy is like always trying to delete everything and I'm more like, keep it up, at, you know? So I, I don't know. I just, I hate nostalgia, but I also like nostalgia in some regard. So it's like nice to just see how far we've come. Yeah. Well, I wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like deleting it. I didn't, I didn't delete any of of that stuff, but it was just like looking at the videos. I was cringing a little bit looking at some of these outfits, but here we are. Here we are. Here we are fashionistas. Right. Not dressing as colorful as we used to back in the day. That's for sure. Right. I mean, I'm joking in the fact that like now I just wear like stretchy pants and oversized sweaters, basically. Yeah. My wardrobe for the last five years. I mean, girl, during quarantine, I don't even bother. I just put I literally just have my underwear on right now. I don't even wear clothes. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't. Yeah. No, I feel you, too. I know. It's like the new thing, the Zoom without wearing pants. Yosef was like, should I make a shirt that says... I'm not wearing pants right now or something like a t-shirt. You know, what's so funny yesterday when we were recording because we recorded a video for a partner and, you know, I had that apron on, but I had my panties on. I didn't have any pants. Oh, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's hope they don't listen. (laughs) I know. I hope they didn't notice because there was one point where I had to like exit the kitchen to like grab something. (laughs) 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 And the camera was on and I'm like, oh, Oh, man. But but they seem to be in their like bed too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, these days it's like in the first week of Zoom, everyone's like has a suit on. And these days people are like joining the meeting from their bed, you know? I know, I know. I think it's, I think 
70% of people are not wearing pants right now. Right, right. Who are working from home. Yeah. Well. Okay. We're doing a Q&A again, y'all, because there yes. were a lot of questions that you all submitted. And today we're going to focus on intuitive eating. Thank you all for submitting your questions via IG. Should we just jump in? We're just going to scroll through and start picking some of these questions. Let's do it. First one is how do you accept haze, which stands for health at every size, even though you want to lose weight? I struggle with this. That's a great question. And we actually did a whole podcast episode on that titled, can you practice intuitive eating and still want to lose weight? I would absolutely recommend listening to that episode because we kind of break down some of the nuance when it comes to intuitive eating, haze and weight loss and how really at the end of the day, I mean, it's your body is your business. You can do whatever you feel like is best. But when we are looking at those kind of haze and intuitive eating frameworks, weight loss is kind of contradictory because the goal with those things is to really respect your body, focus on healthy behaviors, focus on your overall self-care and well-being, and then let your weight kind of settle where it does when you are practicing those healthy behaviors. And so trying to lose weight usually means you kind of have to like micromanage like what you're eating and your exercise, which again is contradictory to the principles of health at every size and intuitive eating. So I would say it's probably pretty difficult to focus on both of those things at the same time, but listen to that whole podcast episode. And I also wrote an article about this exact topic for self magazine that we can link in the show notes as well. That goes into some of the more detail, which I tried to do from a very compassionate approach because I also really understand that a lot of people, because of the culture we live in, want to lose weight. Wendy, do you have anything to add to that? I would say tune into that episode and read Jessica's <laughs> article <laughs> because we, I mean, we talk about this topic for a good 40 minutes. You'll probably keep hearing that throughout this episode because there are a lot of these questions that we've done entire episodes on. And so, yeah, I think it just makes sense to check that out so you can have a better understanding. All right. So I'm going to take on the next question. Would not craving meat because of a long term of vegetarianism still fall under intuitive eating? I think it's all about how you feel and what the intention is, because if being a vegetarian is coming from a place of restriction, then I don't think it would necessarily fall under intuitive eating, especially if having meat is something that you enjoy. So like, for example, for both of us, Jess, I think eats mostly vegetarian. I'm a little more flexible these days. I've done it all. I've done the vegan thing. I've been just straight up vegetarian. I do eat mostly vegetarian, but I don't know, just like me not be like saying, I don't eat this or I don't eat that. I just don't like the energy that it creates around food. And so I'm very like curious and open with food. And especially like when I'm around family or friends, like if they really take the time to prepare something, it's really hard for me to say, oh, I, you know, I'm not going to try it or I'm not. Cause I, I just, you know, I'm very curious about food. And especially when I go visit my family back home, like meat and poultry and fish, it's like a major part of the cuisine. And so I will try it and sometimes I'll eat it. I mean, if it's made really well, but again, I think it's all, it's just all about what your mentality is around it. You know, if you feel good eating mostly plant-based or being vegetarian and you just naturally don't 
want any meat, I would just say make sure that you're getting, you know, the nutrients that you need. So just keeping in mind things like iron, like vitamin B12, nutrients that you would typically get from animal foods and go from there. Exactly. And feel free to change your mind too. <laughs> yeah. Hadis talked about that on the podcast where she was like, I don't know, she's vegetarian. And then she's like, a couple years later, I was craving a burger and I had a burger and it was fine. And it was like, oh, actually I want meat now. Because I think most people do the vegetarian thing because they feel like they have to yeah. to be healthy maybe. Mm-hmm. But you really don't. So if you like meat, I would absolutely eat meat. I just don't really like me. <laughs> but I am open to, like Wendy said, I don't know, exploring more here and there, but I just haven't liked it since I was a kid. And part of it too, like since doing this work and thinking about these things more, I grew up in one of those families, which I think a lot of us, especially folks of color, but I hear this from people from all backgrounds where it's kind of like clean your plate mentality, finish the food off your plate. And so when it came to meat, like my whole family loved meat so much And I was like one of the only ones who didn't. And it was like, I thought everything was like fat, like, oh, I don't want to eat the fat or oh, but they'd be like, no, eat everything. Like, like eat all the pieces of the meat. And I just got really turned off. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember my brother used to work at KFC and I don't know, like at that time, I feel like I don't remember us. We've, you know, been on food stamps and things like throughout my childhood. And I don't think we had like a ton of money. And so that was what we were eating like every single night, like as part of our dinner. And I just got so turned off by it. And I think that maybe there's like some trauma there. Yeah. That I'm like kind of now just exploring. But my point is just figure out like where it comes from, what works best for you. There's no right answer. You don't have to do one thing and you don't have to stick with one thing either. Yeah. And also I want to add that with intuitive eating, nutrition does play a part. And so it's not like, you know, there are a lot of health benefits to eating mostly plant-based. And so I don't want to completely disregard that, but it, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean like you have to be vegan or you have to be vegetarian, but it's just like being mindful of meat consumption, dairy consumption, all those things. And also like the environmental role that it plays. And so I think there is a place to be mindful of all of those things and still practice intuitive eating, which again, it's like really just questioning that restriction mentality and trying to free yourself from that so that you can really and genuinely enjoy food, but also be mindful of all these other things. And that is not easy. (laughs) It's a journey. (laughs) It's a journey. It is for sure. question for you guys. Have you been listening to the Food Heaven podcast for a while? If so, what is your favorite episode? I have so many favorites. There's so many. We've been doing this, by the way, since 2015. So there's a lot of episodes. But one of the ones that kind of sticks out to me that I really enjoyed was with Ashley Piper. And it was titled Do Good, Live Better, Save the Planet. And she talked about accessible sustainability and how we can all do our part and just making this planet a better place. One of the things in her book that she recommends is focusing on cleaning products. That was one of the things that really hit home for me as well, because I noticed that, Hey, I'm not using like sustainable, non-toxic cleaning products at all. And she made it very 
actionable, like things that we could do to turn that around. So that's where this week's podcast sponsor comes in. They are a company called Branch Basics. They make a biodegradable, non-GMO, fragrance-free concentrate that can clean everything in your home safely without harsh chemicals. Everything from the kitchen or the bathroom to the laundry, to the wood floors, Branch Basics has you covered. The concentrate model allows you to cut down on unnecessary waste by refilling and reusing your bottles. Okay, so let me explain this because I've been doing this for six months and I love it. They send you a starter kit, which comes with a bottle of concentrate and five empty bottles labeled for every cleaning need. All you have to do is fill each bottle with water and concentrate, and you'll basically be ready to clean anything in your house. So again, whether you have some like grime and crust or whatever in the bathtub, you're cleaning countertops, like they're all labeled so that you know exactly what it'll clean. And like I said, you can reuse the bottle so you're not wasting there and everything is non-toxic, but but the big, but it actually works. I was watching the founders video on their website and they were just talking about their journey and how they, they went through like, I think a hundred plus formulas and they didn't want to create a product that didn't work. Cause like, what's the point, you know, some of the stuff, like the little potions they have online, <laughs> online that I've tried. I'm like, mm, this ain't gonna work for me, but this one does. And I liked it because I get kind of caught up in all of the research. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? And I don't know, I end up kind of wasting time and money and accumulating more crap in the process. But this is nice because it's easy to replace all of your cleaning products with something safer in one fell swoop. So you don't have to do all the research for a million things, go to all the websites, like it's kind of done for you. Now, y'all know we always have the hookup code. So for 15% off their starter kit, use the code FOODHEAVEN, which expires on December 31st, 2020. Again, all you have to do is head on over to branchbasics.com, B-R-A-N-C-H-B-A-S-C-I-S.com and use code FOODHEAVEN to get 15% off through the end of the year. All right, on to the episode. So the next question I have, I mean, there's so many, I don't even know which ones to prioritize. There's, okay, so this person, this comes up a lot. Long distance runner. This is how they phrase the question. Long distance runner, overeating lately, especially later at night, gained weight, mad face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm not sure what the question is, but I'll just talk. I have so many clients and have in the past, especially when I used to work at UCSF, who were distance runners who were not eating enough throughout the day and then kind of binging later on in the night. I would guess that if you feel like you're quote unquote overeating, it's not overeating, it's deprivation eating. You're probably not getting enough during the day to match the amount of output that you're doing with your running. And so your body is kind of trying to play catch up mode later at night. So I would suggest meeting with a dietitian, especially because you are a runner, they have to look at how much you're running. And there's like different calculations for a place to start when it comes to like, making sure you're getting enough energy in the form of carbohydrates. So I would definitely like meet with a a dietitian who can help you figure out, are you getting enough? How can you manage getting enough? Because for some of my clients who were distance runners, it was really hard. Like the amount of carbs that were recommended for the, the running that they were doing was hard to get in a day. So we had to come up with strategies for that. Yeah, I would suggest that. One of the dietitians I can recommend, there's a couple actually, 
Heather Kaplan, she's great. She has a podcast called RD Real Talk and she focuses on intuitive eating. She's a runner too. So I think she can incorporate that into her work with her sports background. Yasi Ansari, you can just Google these people. She's amazing. She's the athletic director at Berkeley. She deals a lot with athletes, runners, and nutrition. And she's also big on intuitive eating. So I would maybe contact one of those folks. I know they do private practice and get a more personal consultation. Yeah. Great. All right. So next question, high risk for diabetes and no desire for nutrient dense whole foods, just junk. That is a great question. And I'm not sure if you've been experiencing this during the pandemic or this is just Mm -hmm. like period, like this is how you've been feeling. I will say, I think the whole nutrient dense whole foods thing, because I know you put that in quotation marks. I feel like usually foods like kale and quinoa get bunched into like that label and we don't think of things like fruits and all vegetables and even things like potatoes and beans and rice. Like those are also nutrient dense. They're whole foods. And so I don't know if you're if you're also including those under that category as well. And you're saying like you're just purely craving like food that is way more processed that like, I don't know if it's like, you know, cookies and like stuff like that. You're just craving that all day. So I would really need more detail. However, what I will say is that if it's specific to the pandemic, I just feel like, I mean, none of us have lived through something like this before. You have Mm -hmm. to be really compassionate with yourself. And I mean, I, my eating habits have been completely thrown off. And as much as you can try to like create some kind of loose plan, sometimes it just doesn't go that way because like, whoa, like (laughs) there's so much going on. You just have to cut yourself some slack. Cause you also asked another question, like, how do I find a health at every size doctor? And it sounds like you're also interested in your health and and you do want to try to do some things to get to a place of balance with your food choices. And so I would say just focusing on like the really, really small things that you can do that don't feel like, like, oh my God, you know, like you have to make major life changes. Like if you're not really eating any vegetables right now, like you don't need to be going to the supermarket buying five different types of vegetables. Like maybe just focus on one kind of vegetable that you somewhat like. And again, like really explore with vegetables. Like, to be honest, I'm not crazy on like salads and like, I like cooked vegetables way more than raw vegetables. Even in the summer, I'm usually cooking my vegetables. And so if something like that is going to be helpful for you in increasing your vegetable intake, then that's something that you can explore. Maybe you want to add some anchovies, team anchovies, anyone out there? Maybe you want to add some anchovies to your vegetables. Or maybe maybe you want to add some like chicken and do like a stir fry to your vegetables or something just to make it more appetizing and kind of getting creative that way. And same goes for like other nutritious foods, like fruits. There's so many fruits out there. Like maybe the fruits that are in season, you're not really vibing with right now. So maybe you'll do better with, I don't know, like papaya or like mangoes and like, no, they're not local. No, they're not seasonal, but you like them and they're very nutritious. And that's what's going to help to get you through right now. Yeah. I love all those suggestions. I was going to even say a smoothie sometimes is a nice yeah. way to incorporate yeah. some fruits. I'll give you my most recent recipe. So it's the Costco mixed berries mm. with the Costco <laughs> plain 2% Greek yogurt. They, yeah, that, I think they only have the 2%. I like that or the full fat mixed with 
some vanilla extract mixed with water or whatever milk or plant-based milk, cashews and chia seeds. It's really good. And I'll give you mine, which is like <laughs> very basic frozen mangoes, Greek yogurt, and that's it. <laughs> that sounds good too. Yeah. But the Greek yogurt with the fruit is a really good combination. Yeah. Like any frozen fruit, I do the mixed mm-hmm. berries too with the Greek yogurt. Sometimes I'll add a banana if I want, you know, a little bit of sweetness. Sometimes if I know it's going to be a rough day and I might not get all my fiber in, I'll throw in like a spoonful of, you know, psyllium husk or whatever. And that's it. You know, you got to, right. you got to keep it cute. You got to keep it that's simple it. sometimes. Okay. <laughs> That's Hello. such a throwback. Remember? <laughs> that's, and that's it. it. And that's I can't do it. it. <laughs> that video is legendary. Right. Uh, okay. So you also asked, where can you find a Hayes provider? And I want to give two resources. One is HayesCommunity.com. So H-A-E-S community.com. And the other one is SizeDiversityAndHealth.org. So both of those have a section to find a provider. I wish they had more folks on there. So if you guys have any other resources, please let me know because I'm always looking for my clients as well. Okay, let's see what else we have here. There's no black and white answer for this. They said, I'm always juggling wanting to embrace being fat and being physically uncomfortable advice. That's a really tough one because we always like to learn more about people's lived experience, right? Because you don't want, you know, to dietitians who don't identify as being fat to tell you, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that. It's like, we don't have your lived experience and that's first and foremost. So if you were my client, I would just ask you more questions about like, what exactly do you mean by being physically uncomfortable for people that can be mean different things. So for some people it's like, okay, well, I feel physically uncomfortable in my clothes or I have a hard time finding clothes that fit. It could mean that I feel out of breath when I'm walking. It could mean that my joints are hurting. So it's first learning more about what you mean by that. And then depending upon what the answer is, you know, my advice would be to think about, are there ways outside of like intentionally trying to lose weight that we can address those different concerns. So for example, if it's like, I feel out of breath walking or whatever, what if we focus on just slow and steady, like increasing joyful movement for most people, even with joint pain, like that can be super helpful outside of the intentional weight loss. If it's feeling uncomfortable in clothes, it can be finding clothes that, and we talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) finding clothes that you feel confident in that fit you, that you like the material, the way it feels on your skin. So I think there's no straightforward answer necessarily for that. But I, yeah, I want to just like answer it by asking more questions. And again, this may be something too, because everyone is so individual that working with either a therapist who is well-versed in haze or even a dietitian who is well-versed in haze and body image can help you tease out and get, yeah, find something that works for you. Anything you would add to that? Yeah, I think that that's really great. I mean, I was also just thinking like in working with patients in the past who have struggled with this, just like the mental drain that it takes to like 
pursue weight loss, even though like I've had patients who are like, I'm so uncomfortable. I feel better at a lighter weight. And then, you know, I would just ask them, well, you know how it's almost like you're in a mental warfare, like trying to get back to this weight. And how has that felt for you? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to kind of consider that as well, like the mental toll that pursuing weight loss takes on your body and on your mind. You know, and and sometimes it's like, what does acceptance look like? Because you may or may not be able to reach that goal weight and be able to maintain it, whatever goal weight it is that you have for yourself. So can you start thinking about what acceptance would look like in your body? And like just said, like find more ways to be comfortable in the body that you're in right now. Yeah. I also always like to acknowledge, too, when it comes to lived experience, It is true that people who are, and we say this all the time, who are in higher bodies, like are going to face more discrimination on a daily basis. Like there's so much fat phobia in our culture. Like one way that I like to think about it is we have like this dominant beauty standard, like beauty ideal, right? And it's typically like a thin white woman with like long blonde hair, like all those things at least historically, like kind of in this culture. And you are probably going to have a higher rate of getting a job or just getting treated better across the board if you fit into that ideal. Now, you can't blame somebody for noticing like, hey, I'm you know a black person and I'm discriminated against and I'm all these things. And so it's not fair, right? Like, I think you have to acknowledge that the, it's not fair, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we should all strive to be this one thing that's not accessible to most of us. Does that make sense? (laughs) I feel like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I mean, that also made me think about, because we recently did a post promoting one of our previous podcasts about dressing your here and now body. And someone in the comments had replied saying, the reason why I have wanted to lose weight in the past is because no clothing would fit me. And that's heartbreaking because it's like this person has wanted to lose weight because these clothing companies are not inclusive. And like, literally, there's no clothing to dress her body. And that's been, you know, and that's a perfectly valid reason because it's harder to navigate this world in a larger body. And so, yeah, that makes that makes total sense. And I think we have to we have to call on people and companies and the wellness industry, hello, to do better and to truly be more inclusive of all bodies. Exactly. Right. So that people don't have to feel like they need to change to fit this ideal that based on the research, like most folks, like up to 95, 98 percent of folks are not going to be able to lose that weight and keep it off. So it's like it's I mean, what I'm saying is like it's a social justice component, too, Mm -hmm. but also just acknowledging like, yes, people can be horrible. And I hear stories like horror stories every day from people. Oh, my God, where. It's just they're experiencing so much fat phobia and it just needs to change. Yeah. All right. So next question. How do you practice intuitive eating during pregnancy? I love this question because actually at my previous clinical position, I was working with a lot of pregnant women. I was working in the women's health department. And from what I got with working with these women, like 
I don't know. I just feel like pregnancy is a great opportunity to kind of go back to those basics of intuitive eating because your body is so attuned when you're pregnant. Like you have very specific cravings, but also you have to navigate nutrition because you want to make sure that your baby is and you that you're both getting the proper nourishment. And so part of intuitive eating is like that balancing act where it's like, okay, well, what is my body calling for? But also like, am I getting balanced nutrition in? And it gets tricky because, you know, for those of you that have been pregnant, you know, like the cravings can be very, very specific. And it's not necessarily like it doesn't reflect like the my plate method where you're like, ooh, vegetables or whatever. It's like you can have, I don't know, like cravings for ice cubes or like what it could be. <laughs> it could be super, super specific. And so what I would do in in the work that I was doing at the clinic is kind of like the same thing that we speak about here. Just like planning very loosely and making sure that those key nutrients are taken into account, like key nutrients during pregnancy, but also like making sure that you don't feel deprived during pregnancy because, you know, you don't, you don't want to be like a miserable pregnant person because you're not getting the foods that you want. And it's, you know, just trying to balance that out hopefully working with a dietitian if you're pregnant so that they can go over, you know, all of the foods and the nutrients that they provide. Also taking your prenatal, all of that helps as well. Love it. Okay. Let's see. There's so many. I'm trying to think of which ones we can clump together. Mm-hmm. I see a lot about autoimmune and it makes me feel like we have to have an episode mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm not an expert in autoimmune, although I do have autoimmune disease myself, but people are basically asking, how do we incorporate intuitive eating in autoimmune disease when you've been told paleo, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Or like I see here for celiac, severe food allergies, just like conditions where you would benefit or you have to eliminate certain foods. Again, with intuitive eating, like health is a part of that. And so if your body doesn't feel good, doesn't react well when you're eating certain foods, then you shouldn't eat them, you know? And right. it's it's kind of like, again, a balancing act. Like you might enjoy those foods, but if you have celiac, I mean, you know the severity of the condition and what happens when you eat gluten and it's just like it's very unpleasant and you know that it's it's not great for your body and so that's just kind of like a compromise that you have to make intuitive eating isn't a free for all where you're just like ah it's it, <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's not like <laughs> if that. things don't make you feel good yeah you got to take into account your health too and if you have you know autoimmune conditions celiac conditions you do want to honor your health as well and you know you know these foods might not be the best for me and also like if you have a slip up cuz i i've had friends who who have celiac and there have been points where they're just like listen i really needed to eat this and it had gluten and i mean they didn't feel so great after but it was just like you have to cut yourself some slack and be like you know that was a moment and it's over and you keep it moving. You know, this isn't like a perfect formula. Yeah. I was also going to add, okay. So celiac, yes, that's, that is black and white, like no gluten for the most part. Other stuff, it's very gray. Like there's not a ton of research in terms of, you know, all these different, like, for example, I have Hashimoto's. We did have an episode on this though. There's not a ton of research where it's like you have to eliminate these things and it's definitely been proven. Right. I mean, there's some stuff out there for sure. And I always recommend like for clients who have a history of disordered eating and you also have autoimmune, you might want to work with a dietitian who focuses in 
both or who can kind of handle both of those things. Because what I've seen with folks sometimes is like, they're like, oh, I have autoimmune and I want to try these things. But they get very triggered by like doing an elimination diet of any sort. And so I don't always recommend it. Yeah. I don't know. I know that's not like a straightforward answer, but yeah, the, the research is just very gray. And I've seen in some clients where it does more harm than good. So if you want to, you know, with the help of a dietitian, focus on figuring out like what foods make you feel your best and what don't make you feel that great. Like I totally recommend that, but I wouldn't just say, you know, if your doctor is saying, you know, you hundred percent like need to go paleo because of like Hashimoto's, for example, like I probably would get a second opinion from a dietitian who focuses, like I said, on those specialties, but maybe we'll have an episode because I don't know, there could be more out there that could be helpful. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think it's hard to be unbiased because there's so much information about food and what's good and what's bad. And when you yeah. have these conditions, like you desperately want some relief. And so yeah. you you might hear like, oh, you know, I heard that this was bad. And so I'm going to try to cut out all, all of the white starches or whatever, you know, it's just like an example of something I've heard. And like in your mind, it's that placebo effect where you're like, oh, well, maybe I'm feeling better, you know, and there's not necessarily like any science linked around that. And so, you know, it's just very tricky. You have to be super unbiased in, you know, if you're like kind of playing around. I mean, some foods, it's like, you know, they don't sit well. And that's kind of your cue, especially with things like celiac or like food allergies, like you get an immediate reaction. But with other other foods where it's maybe a little more nuanced, I think definitely working with a dietitian because, yeah, in your head, you you might feel like there is a difference because of the information that you've consumed in media. Yeah. Also, I have people, a lot of people who come to me with a history of whatever type of autoimmune and they've already cut out so many things and we're still like not really sure if it's it's like they it's been years and they've already cut out like all these foods and we don't really know if it makes a difference or they don't even really know and so if you have cut out a lot of stuff and you're if and you still don't know then I would say you might want to just consider adding those foods back maybe one at a time to see do you have any symptoms? But the other thing too is it's just so layered because when you cut stuff out, Mm -hmm. that's what I was going to (laughs) say. Right. Then it's like when you add it back, you may not tolerate it as well as you once did. So I'm not really a big fan of just cutting things out Mm -hmm. autoimmune or not, because there's just, from my understanding, I haven't seen like enough convincing stuff out there. But if you're like, no, I absolutely, I have people, like you said, Wendy, where it's like, oh, the gluten, absolutely. Like I get this and that. And da, da, da. So, I mean, maybe, but for most people, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's not like, I've had a lot of people, where it's just like, they don't have celiac, but they have some kind of gluten intolerance and it may or may not be diagnosed, but it's like, girl, you don't feel good when you eat gluten you should go with that. I mean, it's like, there's not much to it. You should go with that, you know, but when it, when it's a little more gray, then yeah, definitely, definitely work with the dietitian. All right. So is it possible to lose weight while transitioning to an intuitive eating mindset? You might, 
You might not. I mean, I, I think the whole point of intuitive eating is to look at weight in an unbiased way. And so, you know, it's like whatever your body does is what your body does. And that's great. And your body will be celebrated whether it is at a higher weight or whether it's at a lower weight. So that's the short answer. Yep. <laughs> that's pretty simple. <laughs> I always tell people I could I can give the answer that I give to clients because it's pretty much everyone asks me this. There's three things that could happen. You could gain weight, especially if you are what we like to refer to as weight suppressed, meaning you have been kind of like restricting and micromanaging everything and like exercising excessively. Like you may be at a weight that your body doesn't feel like is its set point weight. And when you start to liberalize your diet and add more variety and more flexibility, like you absolutely can gain weight. There's some people where with intuitive eating, it kind of helps to correct some of like their binge eating or people have a ton of overeating episodes throughout the week, or maybe even some folks who have emotional eating when it corrects that and they, you know, start doing more joyful movement that they actually like, and they're able to be consistent with, maybe they lose weight. And then you have those people where their weight doesn't really change. It just stays the same. So it could be one of those three things. And part of the scary thing is letting go of that control and just kind of with it and taking that leap. Right. This is a good one. I think a couple of people asked, how do we talk about haze with family and intuitive eating with family friends? So we're, by the time this airs, we will be doing an episode about that in the next couple of weeks. Stay on the lookout for that. But the suggestion that I give to my clients most often is start by gifting them with a book. I would say either the intuitive eating book, the health at every size book, or if you don't want to get a book, I love the New York Times article. It's called Smash the Wellness Industry. We can include that in the show notes. It just is really eye-opening when it comes to some of these concepts. So I, I will have them send that to people and then just follow up like, hey, did you get a chance to read that article? And usually it can be a great catalyst for a conversation. But don't expect to change anybody's mind. Initially, you probably won't. It you know, even took me years of hearing about these concepts before I fully embraced them. So you have to be gentle, compassionate, but also set your boundaries. If someone is, you know, talking about a bunch of triggering stuff with you all the time and you told them that you don't want to talk about it, then yeah, you're going to have to, you know, end the conversation or we'll talk more about this in the upcoming episode, but you, you want to know what your boundaries are and make sure that you set those as well. Okay. So the first one, best places to learn about intuitive eating. So Jess actually did a whole Instagram post, which she embedded a video detailing her favorite intuitive eating resources. So make sure that you check that out. Tips for dealing with food waste guilt when you are full. Oh, this is a good one. Before you finish your plate, ask yourself, is this really helping anyone or is this helping the world at large with you eating this meal past the point of fullness? Because you don't want to potentially like throw it away. You can also save it for later or compost. Yeah. Or be mindful of like the amount of food that you're cooking. And so maybe next time just plan so that you don't make as much food. All right. Let's see. Intuitive eating and kids. We have a whole episode about this with Emily Fonsebeck. So make sure that you check that out. What do you do if your body intuitively craves cookies and ice cream all the time? We actually have an episode about this as well. <laughs> Intuitive eating troubleshooting with Alyssa Rumsey. But somebody asked this exact question. But basically, the first phase of intuitive eating is giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. So I would say 
go with it. And then eventually, once you feel like you can look at foods in a neutral way, you want to start incorporating more gentle nutrition. I personally recommend trying to have at least three food groups per meal, making sure you're eating at least three meals a day, not skipping meals. That's going to help, I think, with some of those cravings of sweet things. Since y'all believe in health at every size and your clinical work, do you still use BMI? No. That's it. We have an episode about that. It's, it's, <laughs> this is a fire round. <laughs> I know, I know. Hold on. It's called Is BMI BS with Rebecca Scritchfield? <laughs> the answer is yes. Next question. <laughs> How to eat with no appetite because of depression, heartbreak, et cetera. This is another question we have talked about before and it comes up a lot. I learned from um, Evelyn Tripoli, her course, she talked about make sure that even if you don't have an appetite, you eat for the energy that you need for the day or eat for what you're asking your body to do. And so even if you're just having a few snacks, you know, throughout the day, that's better than nothing. Remember that even if you're not hungry, you still need food. Love it. We covered a lot. Love it or leave it. We did it, it, baby. We did it. (laughs) Well, we did it. There's the Q&A, folks. There you have it. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that this was helpful for y'all. And, you know, we'll we'll revisit this again. We'll do another Q&A session with you guys another time. (laughs) Yeah. Catch you guys on the flip side. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Yep. Our podcast is released every Wednesday and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.